an urgent warning to Australia. Coming up on this episode of Citizens Insight. Welcome to Citizens Insight, the Citizens Party's interview series on matters of national and international importance. My guest today to discuss this very important issue is the former Australian Ambassador John Lander, who's making a return appearance. Welcome, John. Good morning, Robbie. Thank you very much, and thank you for having me back. Uh, I really welcomed this opportunity because I feel it is really urgent to uh, try to get a warning out to the Australian people of where we are headed. John, this is the 12th of August, so this comes at the end of a week of extreme turmoil in our region, the Asia-Pacific region, set off by the visit to Taiwan um, by the US Speaker of the House of Representatives, Nancy Pelosi. And when you and I discussed this program, you wanted to respond to something quite specific, which is a clip we played on our weekly show, The Citizens Report, last week of the former US military officer Scott Ritter, talking about the Pelosi visit, where he was in um, definite opposition to the visit and he was quite fired up and he was sounding a warning as he saw it to the United States. And we want to play that clip now and then let you respond to it. The other aspect of that is, of course, dysfunctional American policy. We don't know what the hell we're doing. We don't have a policy. And one of the reasons why we don't have a policy is that we don't respect China. You know, sort of like we didn't respect Russia. Yeah. Remember in the lead up to Ukraine, Russia will never invade. They don't have the economy to invade. They don't have the military to invade. They're bluffing. They're bluffing. They're bluffing. Putin don't bluff. They invaded. They're winning. We lost across the board because we're getting ready to be humiliated in a way we haven't been humiliated ever. And this is going to be worse than Pearl Harbor if we choose to escalate. There's going to be a political Pearl Harbor because China's taking Taiwan. Get used to it. It's going to happen. We crossed a red line and we can't say they didn't warn us. They said, we don't want to do this. Please don't make us do this. And yet we sent Nancy Pelosi, even though the president said it's stupid, the Pentagon said it's stupid, the State Department said it's stupid, we let an 82-year-old alcoholic get on an airplane take the United States to war. That's called dysfunctional policy. And if every American listening to this, every global citizen, is it furious? Yeah. Nothing will infer you. This is the dumbest thing we have done in a long, long, long time. And there will be ramifications. Any idiot that thinks, China would never do this because they fear economic sanctions. What? China will shut us down long before we shut them down. Right. Will there be be economic repercussions for China? Sure, just like there were for Russia. Last time I checked, Russia's running a surplus. We're in a recession. Goodbye, Taiwan. Enjoy what little you have left of your pathetic little existence. It's on you. You could have said no. You could have turned the plane around. You could have done something. Instead, you're letting Nancy Pelosi land on your soil, and she's going to meet not only with your parliament. Hey, why? What? Legislature meeting with legislature as equals? That's called independent-minded. She's going to meet with the leader of the political party that's advocating independence from China. I mean, literally, load the damn bullet into the gun before giving it to the Chinese so they can put it in your head and pull the trigger. 
This is stupidity personified. Yeah. And it's going to end with dead Americans. So, John, what's your response to what Scott Reader has said? Uh, I, well, his uh, vehemence was really very understandable. But I think that his perspective is one which has been put forward by many, many analysts, including uh, analysts here in Australia, which is that the United States is heading into war with China or a war against China, to be more accurate. And I don't see it quite that way. The, the situation has evolved um, quite deliberately as a long-term strategy of the United States or of certainly of the military-industrial complex and its supporters ever since the Wolfowitz Doctrine which said that the United States must not allow any country to challenge the United States supremacy. That's the first point. More recently, it has gone on, evolved to be the United States will oppose any potential rival through proxy wars. Mm. It has been, it's clear in their, their public statements and policy papers. It's clear from their actions uh, against Russia using Ukraine as its proxy that the United States is still deliberately manoeuvring towards a war against China, a proxy war against China, with Taiwan in the front line and Australia close behind. The preparations under AUKUS, the Australia-UK-US Agreement for uh, Strategic Cooperation, which has not been enshrined in any form of document, a treaty or alliance. It has not been presented in writing to the Australian Parliament to allow a parliamentary debate on whether we should um, sign up to such an arrangement. It has not been presented to the Australian people to allow a public debate on something of such existential importance to Australia. What has happened under the AUKUS and the arrangements that are being put in place under the, uh, that understanding, mm -hmm. it amounts to nothing more than that, um, <clears throat> and it provides no guarantees for the defence of Australia, um, certainly no written guarantees. All of these arrangements are very clearly designed to establish the United States forward presence in Australia. It is the same policy that was declared by General Douglas MacArthur when he arrived in Brisbane back in the Second World War. He explicitly said he saw Australia as a base for United States forward operations in the Western Pacific. And <clears throat> that position really hasn't changed. The United States still treats Australia as a forward base for the projection of its power into the Asia-Pacific region. The only difference is that because they have persuaded the current government to sign up to interchangeability of Australian Defence Force with United States forces, the United States has gained 
virtual command of Australian forces. Um, they can decide when, where and how Australian forces will be used. They have also, as I said, made it clear that the war against China will be a proxy war. So my view is the United States is not preparing itself to launch itself into a war against China from Australian territory and thus potentially drag Australia in, mm. which is the current view of even, um, I think, very clear-sighted analysts like Hugh White. I believe that the United States is quite clearly preparing to launch <coughs> Australia into the war against China. And the United States, throughout its history, has always made it clear that it is prepared to sacrifice any country, friend or foe, to promote United States interest. And the United States interest is to maintain a position of supremacy in the world. And if Australia has to suffer destruction in order to shore up the United States position as top dog, then so be it as far as uh, the, the hawks in uh, America are concerned. So <clears throat> we need to be very clear about this. I think we need to not um, kid ourselves. Yeah. The, the general public and most of our political uh, leaders still believe that the ANZUS Treaty and now AUKUS provide us with a guarantee of protection by the United States against any adversary. That is not the case. It is, was clearly understood in the um, drawing up of the ANZUS Treaty that Australia had responsibility to defend itself. And that is still the case, I believe, under AUKUS as well. The only thing that our current Defence Minister has been able to point to is things like an enduring friendship between Australians and Americans who, uh, and because of our close uh, interaction on all sorts of levels, that it, this guarantees the United States would not leave us in the lurch. I don't think that's the case at all. Um, the, Henry Kissinger said, to be an enemy of the United States is dangerous, to be a friend is fatal. And I think we need to be clear-eyed about that and know where we are going because we are inevitably moving closer and closer towards a war against China, which is created a po position of a policy paradox in Australia. Mm. The government claims that it wants to have a good, stable trading relationship with China which is essential for Australia's economic prosperity. And at the same time, each time China offers partnership with Australia, it has been rebuffed. Most recently, of course, uh, the new Chinese ambassador made the same offer and said China seeks a partnership with Australia uh, despite the differences between our two countries. He was rebuffed. Yep. So, on the one hand, 
we say we want a stable trading relationship with China. And on the other hand, we say we, that China is our enemy and we must prepare to go to war against China. It makes absolutely no sense from Australia's interests. It makes perfect sense from the point of view of the United States' interests. Well, hence why we called this episode of the Citizens' Insight an urgent warning, urgent warning to Australia, because you've just laid that out. Let's unpack that a bit. Um, start, we'll start off with the Pelosi visit, which was the trigger for this current flashpoint, which has made, made this such an urgent question. Uh, there's a lot of commentary about the Pelosi visit in Australia, which um, I think you and I would agree is incredibly ignorant. There's the, the assumptions that get bandied around about what Taiwan is, what it means for having someone like Pelosi visit, um, bear no resemblance to reality. And, and it's not China that's unambiguous. <laughs> it's very, it's, um, sorry, it's China that's unambiguous. We are, we, it is, it, it has never given us cause to be confused about this question, but the United States is trying to. So just, just um, talk about that for a minute, about what Australians need to understand about why this was such a um, serious provocation. Uh, well, Nancy Pelosi's visit was not a blunder, as it's been described. Mm. It was not an aberration it, uh, that drew the United States closer to outright war with China. It was a deliberate further step in this evolution of the United States policy of supremacy, which has gone on steadily since the end of the Cold War. Yep. Uh, Pelosi's visit was quite clearly designed to create a crisis, uh, particularly because of what she said, as well as the fact of the visit. But in, during her visit, she said that she supports the One China policy or the One China principle. And at the same time, she said that the United States supports uh, the democratic movement and the um, independence movement in Taiwan. She met with independence activists. That is an extraordinarily provocative move by the second in line for the presidency of the United States yep. um, to undermine the basic principle that Taiwan is a province of the sovereign territory of China. History shows that Taiwan has been part of Chinese territory since about 235 AD. Wow. It has been fought over from time to time. It was taken by Japan um, in the 20th century and it was returned by Japan to Chinese sovereignty under the Shimonoseki Agreement, the Cairo Declaration and the Potsdam Declaration, the three documents that obliged Japan to return Taiwan to China's Chinese sovereignty. And that was done under the Republic of China. Which means before the conclusion before of the, the Civil War. Well, the Civil War has not concluded. Well, that's, you should elaborate on that as well. That's <laughs> a good point. Before the, the People's Liberation Army drove Chiang Kai-shek to establish uh, the government of the Republic of China yeah. on Taiwan, 
the government of the Republic of China under Chiang Kai-shek claimed Taiwan and the whole of the rest of Chinese territory and quite a lot of the contiguous countries around China, such as Mongolia, as part of China's territory. So, so there's one, at that moment, there's undeniably one, one China, China and, and there's two, two forces fighting two over Two forces it. fighting over who should govern it. Yep. But there was one China. Yep. There was no disagreement between the PLA and the Kuomintang yep. that uh, Taiwan was an integral part of China's sovereign territory. That has not changed at all. What has changed is that the Kuomintang, which maintained a military dictatorship on, on Taiwan after its defeat on the mainland, mm. uh, was defeated in elections not so long ago and a more uh, independent-minded government was established uh, in Taiwan. It is quite remarkable that China, when we were negotiating the recognition of the People's Republic of China, uh, they made it extremely clear that almost anything was negotiable except China, except Taiwan's status yep. as a province of China. That was the one thing that they would not resile from. Yep. They said, okay, as long as you acknowledge that uh, our position that Taiwan is part of China, you can have trade relations with them. You can have cultural relations with them. You can have people-to-people -people relations with Taiwan as long as we're clear on that one point. Yep. So uh, China, as the sovereign government of the whole of China, including Taiwan, made remarkable concessions to allow countries to have a degree of interrelationship with a province that no other country I believe in the world has ever done. Mm. Australia does not allow Australian states to develop independent foreign relations with any other country. Australia does allow trading relationships, it does allow yeah, yeah. cultural etc etc, et people to people, academic and so on. Uh, we even have sister city relationships with China. But any move by an Australian state to operate a foreign policy towards China or anywhere else, which is contrary to the foreign policy of the federal government, is immediately squashed. When in the, the <clears> as what happened with Victoria and its memorandum of understanding on the the so-called Belt and Road Initiative. When Victoria signed that, for, from a Victoria standpoint, it was a, a trade deal, essentially. That, that was yeah, its it was motivation. A com commercial economic deal. But a few years later, it had become intensely politicised and it was, it was cast as a, a foreign... A strategic issue. Ex exactly. Um, we came under pressure from the United States and our government quickly took the right away from Victoria to do that. Yes. And um, was it... Uh, David Littleproud, who said uh, in well, reference to Tasmania, no, no, we, we have to play this clip. Let, let me introduce this clip, John. This is yeah. this is so bizarrely ignorant. Um, the night on Wednesday night, like I said, it's the twelfth of August or so the tenth of August, which was the evening after the uh, Chinese ambassador to Australia addressed the National Press Club, and he made a comparison 
between Taiwan and Tasmania. Taiwan's a province of China, Tasmania is a state of Australia. And David Littleproud appeared on Sky News. Now, David Littleproud is the leader of the National Party and therefore a future, possibly, um, acting Prime Minister of Australia. And he said this on Sky News that night. And I'd ask them to use their imagination if they're genuine about a peaceful resolution with Taiwan and to use their imagination about giving them the opportunity to vote. But give the people of Taiwan, the 23 million people in Taiwan, the opportunity to, to determine uh, their future. Uh, I tried to, uh, tried to actually uh, put into reference Tasmania uh, being uh, taken away from Australia. Well, in Australia we would. If they want to secede from Australia, we'd give them that vote, if that's what Tasmania came to or any other state. But uh, that's uh, what I would say is a better and more peaceful prospect. <laughs> How ignorant is that statement, John? <laughs> Uh, well, I find it absolutely gobsmacking, gobsmackingly <laughs> amazing um, in its ignorance. First of all, an Australian state could not secede from the Federation without a referendum of the entire nation. Yeah. We can't, I mean, Little Proud as acting Prime Minister simply can't <laughs> grant right. Tasmania the right to have a vote to secede. Yeah. And the federal government, under no circumstances, would allow no. uh, Tasmania to establish itself as an independent state with a strategic cooperation agreement with China, yeah. for, for example. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the United States wouldn't allow it either. Um, so the idea that Taiwan, which has been a province of, of China for much longer than the Australian state, Australian Federation has existed, yeah. uh, many hundreds of years longer than the Australian Federation, the idea that China should permit the people of Taiwan to have a vote on whether to secede from China or not is fanciful in the extreme. It's, it's alarming the level of ignorance that, that reflects Australia has about this issue. When we're talking about it, when the average Australian hears about it, what the media says about it, what the average politician thinks about it, they have no clue how the, the legal basis of this issue. Yeah. And I think most people in Australia have lost any understanding of the basis, the bedrock of Australia's relationship with China. The, our diplomatic relations, our recognition of the PRC and the establishment of diplomatic relations with China was based on the understanding that we accepted the One China Principle. Yep. That is the bedrock of our relationship. And it, if you pull out the cornerstone of any building, the building will collapse. Mm. So we have been chipping away at this cornerstone of our relationship with China now for several years, undermining the understanding amongst the Australian people, amongst the Australian body politic, amongst other countries in the rest of the world, undermining the understanding that Australia does accept that the One China Principle means that Taiwan is part of the sovereign territory of China and that our policies over recent times have been designed to muddy the waters, so to speak, and it's returning to Pelosi's visit, it's part of the policy not of strategic ambiguity, ambiguity, but of 
strategic duplicity. Mm. Um, it reminds me of the line from so many American Western movies when the Red Indian says, I think white man speaks with forked tongue. Yeah, yeah. And Pelosi gave an absolutely stellar performance of speaking with forked tongue. Yeah. Um, but the intention, I think, was very, very clear. Um, they are trying to instigate a war against China, as uh, former Secretary of State Pompeo said, to put China back where it was. And that war against China is quite clearly intended to be a proxy war. And we are talking ourselves into being the proxies. Yes, I think we are. We haven't just talked ourselves into it. We have taken many, many steps mm. towards making ourselves the proxy, in particularly uh, with regard to our military uh, arrangements with the United States. Australians today, I think, would think it's unthinkable, most Australians, that we would do something separately from the United States, such as the way this relationship is viewed nowadays. But um, our very act of recognising China and the One China Principle in 1972, when you were in the Department of Foreign Affairs and had a, played a role in that department, our very act of doing that was an act of sovereignty that America later copied, because um, yes. America has this view as well, yeah. right? But now we're going along with America undermining it. Yeah. You're quite right. Uh, the formulation that we arrived at in our negotiations with China that, that um, enabled the recognition of the People's Republic of China and the establishment of diplomatic relations was devised in negotiations with China seven years before the United States. The United States in the Shanghai Declaration, um, shortly after we arrived at our position, uh, basically followed that same line. But it wasn't until 1979, yeah. ours was 1972, 1979, the United States finally adopted the identical formula to the one that we had accepted, which was Taiwan is part of China's sovereign territory. Um, we have a we have a clip of Jimmy Carter um, acknowledging that, that. Yes, make, making that point. I but, think do you want to should, play that clip? I now? think people should be reminded of that. <clears throat> so this is U.S. President Jimmy Carter in 1979 making the statement John just referred to. The United States recognizes the government of the People's Republic of China as a sole legal government of China. The government of the United States of America acknowledges the Chinese position that there is but one China and Taiwan is part of China. Both believe that normalization of Sino-American relations is not only in the interest of the Chinese and American peoples, but also contributes to the cause of peace in Asia and in the world. So what's, um, that was very clear. Um, America had a reason for doing that in 1979. Um, they appear to be, have changed their mind now, but well, first, before we go on, what would you like to say, any fur anything further on what Carter's just said there? Well, I, 
I think it made uh, the United States legal position extremely clear, and it yeah. is one to which the United States, I believe, should adhere. Yeah. Uh, but as you say, they have uh, changed their mind about China, and I think it's because uh, back when they established relations with China, they saw China as a, as a an opportunity, a very large, low-cost workforce mm -hmm. for the manufacture of the United yep. States goods, and a very large potential market. Mm -hmm. And that worked for quite a while. But the inevitable happened, and China became economically stronger and stronger. And now that it is the major trading partner of most countries in the world, including the United States, the United States is faced with the fact that it is almost now impossible for the United States to compete with China economically. That is becoming clearer by the day. It's also becoming clearer that China, because its position is that it wishes to strengthen the United Nations system and the international uh, law and rules under the United Nations system, China is making it clear that it does not intend to abide indefinitely by the United States rules-based order, which is not the United Nations system. And in collaboration with most of the countries of the global south, the rest of the underdeveloped world, yeah. which is more than two-thirds of the entire world population, it is working towards uh, the establishment of an alternative to the US dollar as the world's reserve currency so that transactions between China and the rest of the world will gradually move away from using the US dollar. Of course, that's the real threat that yeah. the America keeps referring to because the undermining of the US dollar as reserve currency will lead to the, the demise of US control over the world financial system. So Pelosi's visit wasn't an aberration. I, I, I said in this article of mine that it was clearly intended to test China's patience. Mm. And I think instead of making a one-sided condemnation of Chinese excessive response to the Pelosi visit with its live fire exercises around Taiwan, without also condemning Pelosi's uh, attempt to spark a conflict, is very one-sided and continues to reinforce this idea that Australia supports Taiwan in the eventual independence. Because just on that, the I feel, reading between the lines, that the Australian government all knew that the visit of Pelosi was very provocative. The American government knew it was provocative. Biden, Biden and the Pentagon so. advised her not to go. They knew it was provocative, but our government 
Al- Albanese, Wong, Penny Wong, the foreign minister, and Richard Miles, the defence minister, all of them used precisely the same formulation when asked about her visit, and they said that is a matter for them, yeah. the United States. But when China responded in a way that it effectively warned the world 50 years ago it would, um, Penny Wong quickly jumped to say it was destabilising and disproportionate. I should jump in there. China did not respond in the way that it warned the world 50 years ago that it would. Had it done so, the United States would already be at war with China. Oh, okay, good point. China, I believe, showed considerable restraint because although the United States sent military aircraft to accompany the second in line to the presidency to visit Taiwan, China held its hand. It did not attempt to intercept the the US um, flight. It did not attempt to turn it away from Taiwan. It allowed Pelosi to land. It could have prevented it, mm-hmm. but it would have sparked a direct conflict between China and the United States. China held its hand. It stood aside from such a conflict. And there are it many examples. It demonstrated after Pelosi left, yeah. it demonstrated to Taiwan the sort of thing that Taiwan needs to be very careful about um, the sort of thing that could happen if Taiwan persisted on the drive towards independence. Because China would, as would Australia, take military action to prevent the secession of part of Australia. I mean, imagine um, if another country, any other country, decided that they were going to support an independence movement in Christmas Island or Norfolk Island. They're very far away from Australia's shores, but we claim them as Australian territory. We would certainly not allow any other country to establish a military base. Even India, who's so easily one of our friends, if they established a base, we would react against it very forcefully. So. Uh, the, the idea that we should encourage Taiwan to separate from China, I think, is extraordinarily dangerous. It's um, an abrogation of our responsibility under uh, a binding legal uh, treaty with China that, that we would uphold China's sovereign territorial integrity. If people understood it in the terms we've just discussed, discuss here today, including the historical terms of effectively a ceasefire and a civil war, and therefore China is there, that's what is that's what the status quo is when they say the status quo, and China um, is sending a message to its province: look, we are, um, you know, don't confuse our our tolerance with lack of resolve here. We are not going to let this happen. Yeah. Um, they may they may see it a bit differently, and also may understand something that you gave me insight into earlier. Um, China has been incredibly patient on this question for a long period of time, including when the United States sails through the Taiwan Strait between Taiwan and China. 
People don't understand. People don't understand that that is not international waters from China's standpoint. Uh, well, from a legal perspective, if we accept, as the United States and Australia say they do, if we accept that the province of Taiwan is part of China's sovereign territorial integrity, then China's territorial boundaries extend around the island of Taiwan. Yeah. Therefore, the Taiwan Strait is within the territorial integrity of China. And therefore, from a, a purely legal yeah. perspective, it is extremely difficult to argue that the Taiwan Straits are international waters. Yeah. China has, I think, been quite amazing in simply accepting our assertion that we can freely pass back and forth under the law of the sea and the right of freedom of navigation. Uh, and it, it, it may not continue indefinitely, I think. Mm. Uh, it's quite possible that, that as tensions continue to increase, we will, and as the very evident um, United States build-up of force against China, and I think people should be looking at the map of the global US bases, there is a remarkable array of bases right up against China's boundaries yeah. all around China. China did not react to the establishment of all of these bases in its face the way Russia did. Yes. As soon as the United States put missile, uh, missile um, set up in Ukraine and talked about making Ukraine a NATO partner, Russia reacted mm -hmm. as it said it would. Yep. China has said for 50 years, you try to take Taiwan out of China, we will react. They still haven't done so. And they are faced with the most formidable threat of United States force that any country in the world has ever faced. And they still have not reacted. And can I elaborate on that um, for your comment? Because there was a previous visit to China by a Speaker of the House representative, Newt Gingrich, in um, 1996. And China reacted um, violently then as well, right? It, it well, certainly displayed... vehemently, but vehement, not violently. Vehemently, sorry, okay. Um, John's the expert on, on the communication of international matters. China, China made it absolutely clear then. The, the difference is, in the meantime, in the subsequent um, 25 years, the United States has played an incredibly destructive role on the world stage in starting wars in the Middle East, um, killing lots of people, on lies, shifted to the, in 2011 with the Asia pivot, announcing, well, we're, our strategic priority is now the Asia-Pacific region, and shifted 60% of its firepower into this region and all focused at China and using Australia as well with our, with our Marines in Darwin. Um, and so when Pelosi has come back to repeat that stunt, it's not just that two things have changed. America has become more aggressive and more in China's face, but China has become a much, much stronger country. And so this, this one as dangerous as the previous one was, this one is even more dangerous. Yes, of course it's even more dangerous because China is, is now very definitely a, a, a nuclear power yep. um, and, 
has, <coughs> pardon me, has a military capability which it did not have yeah. back then. Um, it reacted quite vehemently uh, to that first visit that you referred to, um, but it was not militarily capable of uh, taking a violent reaction. My point is I think that today the apparently more violent reaction of China is still not uh, a move towards outright war against the United States or indeed anyone else. Mm. Uh, that the China has refrained from taking any action which would actually spark a direct conflict between the US forces on its doorstep and its own forces. Yep. And I think they will continue to um, eschew any direct contact with the United States forces. However, the United States continues to arm Taiwan to the teeth, uh, continues to press Taiwan to pursue uh, independence, and obviously believes that if it can spark a military conflict with China seeking to prevent the secession of Taiwan, that will bog China down in an unending war, which uh, a civil war, yep. uh, which will severely hamper its economic progress and its ability to um, cooperate in the economic development of the um, all of the underdeveloped underdeveloped countries that it is seeking to assist. Uh, one of the things that really annoyed me greatly about the reporting on Ambassador Xiao Chen's uh, press conference mm -hmm. and with reference to China's um, warnings to Taiwan rather than warnings to the United States was that this showed China's hegemonic ambitions to <laughs> dominate the region because they clearly could fire beyond Taiwan and into international waters to the east of Taiwan and that demonstrated how they were planning to take over control. I have not seen and I don't think has, there has ever been any policy pronouncement by China to the effect that they are pursuing domination of the region or global domination. They have very explicitly made many, many statements saying that they think such a pro an approach is absolutely futile and counterproductive and they have <coughs> uh, explicitly disavowed any hegemonic ambition. The United States has done the opposite. Mm. It has declared officially time and time again that it has an intention to dominate the world, to remain the dominant country yeah. in the world. Uh, so it's, it's not, um, it's not a, a clash between autocracy on this side and democracy on that side, um, because the 
the real clash is, is between um, a socialist system of economy and a capitalist system of economy. And capitalism is seeking to destroy a socialist system and if they can knock China out, that is going to uh, shore up the United States dominance of, of the globe. But it will be at the cost of destroying most of the prosperity across the world. Yep. So when I said I felt it was urgent to warn the people of Australia of the threat to our prosperity, a very distinct threat to uh, the continuation of our present comfortable way of life, it's not just our Australian comfortable way of life that's under threat. It is the whole of the rest of the world. And we're seeing that happen in Europe right now. Mm. Europe is suffering heavily because of its decision to back the United States in the, the conflict against Russia. Which the, the politicians call for their, their long-suffering public, oh, this is the price of freedom. Yes, the price of freedom, the necessary sacrifice is the necessary sacrifice for freedom is the impoverishment of your economy mm. and the acceptance of the diktat of America. Mm. Um, John, uh, two things in conclusion that I want you to comment on. Um, there is an interesting observation that you have about the microchip industry in Taiwan that um, people see as part of the mix here. Um, there are certain developments happening in relation to that. What would you like to note about that that people should <laughs> pay attention <Yeah>. to? <laughs> um, well, I did see a reference in the current commentary about China's aggression against Taiwan, as it's called, um, which was contending that China would take control of Taiwan and thereby take control of the Taiwan's um, microchip manufacturing industry and hold the world to ransom. Yeah. <clears throat> that highlights a very important point about Taiwan's economy and Taiwan's position uh, as a province of China, that it's one most important protection against Beijing using uh, military means to prevent a secession would be that the TSIM, the, the, tiny, the Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Plants mm. are all on the side of the island facing China. Mm -hmm. So Taiwan's semiconductor manufacturing industry would be destroyed in a military onslaught onto Taiwan. Yep. Not captured. Mm. It's, the, it's the perfect shield for Taiwan. Yep. I think Taiwan has uh, demonstrated really strategic foolishness in establishing Taiwan semiconductor manufacturing plant in the United States. Once the Taiwan's dominance of microchip production 
and it is dominant in mm. the world. It is, mm. it's, over no, it's 90% of the world's uh, microchips come from Taiwan. Once those microchips are being manufactured in the United States, that is the removal of the one shield that Taiwan has against the possibility of a military intervention by Beijing to retain Taiwan within China's territory. So they are, I think, from the point of view of military vulnerabilities and so on, I think China, Taiwan is making itself much more vulnerable to a military solution uh, by removing its, its um, monopoly for, on microchip manufacture to the United States. Well, um, let's hope they think about that. Finally, um, last year, uh, Peter Dutton, our then Defence Minister, made waves where he said that it would, um, something to the effect that it would be unthinkable for Australia not to side with Taiwan in a war against China. Now, that was kind of like the... It, it was un the unthinkable was the unthinkable not to support the United States in defending the independence of Taiwan. Okay, so that, that, that set the tone for uh, what's been a many months discussion now. Um, right up to the election, we're preparing for war, this idea that we're preparing for war. So to conclude your point for the warning to the Australian people, um, you want them to understand that what we're talking about here is not us, is don't assume that we're gonna be supporting a war. It should, should, um, war guard against us being dragged into a war where the United States, the United States end up supporting us but not getting itself in the firing line. Well, that's the point. We are not, as we like to think, yep. a minor player in the United States war against China. The United, I believe very strongly that we are seeing the United States manoeuvring Australia into the position of being, of bearing the brunt of the fighting. Yeah. US support for Australia will be exactly the same as it has declared for Taiwan. United States says that it will continue to provide Taiwan with all necessary means for Taiwan to defend itself. The ANZUS Treaty obligates Australia to defend itself mm -hmm. and United States support for Australia supporting Taiwan will be to provide Australia with all necessary means to defend itself. The United States has made it very clear, as has China, that they will not engage each other. Yeah for fear of a nuclear conflict. So the United States is determined to spark a conflict between the forces on Taiwan and the forces on the mainland. In other words, to reignite the civil war. And <clears throat> at the same time, to stand aside in all innocence and say, oh, we condemn China's unprovoked attack on Taiwan 
and Australia must rush in to defend Taiwan. And they'll put sanctions on China for us and they'll wear Australian flags on their lapels <laughs> and they will play Advance Australia Fair and they'll raise money and they'll say, we've got to keep providing those Aussies weapons. Yes, Advance Australia <laughs> Fair into <laughs> your destruction because yep. that's where we are advancing. We are advancing towards our own destruction. I think the, uh, the I'm old. It's going to take maybe the next 10 years for this to reach a culmination point. I hope I'm dead by then. But I'm terrified for my grandchildren mm. who will be forced to live in a world which is far, far less benign than I have grown up in. Yeah. And entirely, entirely unnecessarily. Yeah. I mean, a basic tenet of, of diplomacy and of defence is the best defence is friendly, cooperative yeah. relations with other countries. Papua New Guinea has told us that. Yeah. <laughs> Their declared foreign policy is to be friends of all and enemies of none. Now, and that is fundamentally the same policy that has been adopted by our next nearest neighbour, Indonesia, and indeed the whole of the rest of Southeast Asia. They are not pursuing and they are not supporting uh, Australia's hostility to China. And indeed our Pacific neighbours, our so-called family, yep. are not pursuing a policy of hostility towards China. So we are the odd man out in our own region. Well, John, thank you very much for this appearance again on the Citizens Insight Show. Um, it is an urgent warning. I just want to emphasise, um, I've known John for a while now, but John is part of a, a almost a generation of people with your experience in government, in diplomacy, in foreign affairs, in Australia, who are remarkably on the same page on this question. You have certain specific insights which are very unique to you, but there's a general understanding that what we're doing in Australia is wrong. But it's, the, in other words, the people who built our relationship are warning us where this is going. The people with the experience in how you deal with, with um, foreign governments, the people who can tell you how you make friends with governments, if, if that's what we seriously want to do, because we say we want to stabilise the relationship, you know how to do that. Your, old, your former colleagues know how to do that. Um, what we're doing is everything but that, and it's going to end badly. Yes, uh, all of us who, uh, the previous generation, as you call it, uh, most of the commentators in Australia uh, have participated in this process of establishing and maintaining good relations with China over many, many years. And I think all of us are pretty much unanimous in our view, uh, as I tried to make clear there is that one point that I, I yeah. am slightly at odds with most of the other commentators and that is that I don't believe that the US is going to drag us into a US war against China. The US is going to push us into a war against China while it stands to one side. Um, and I must apologise if I've been rather more emotional uh, in my remarks today than, than, I, than normal, but I am very alarmed at where we are headed. As we should, as we all should be. 
So again, John, thanks very much. Thanks to the viewers for watching this episode of Citizens Insight. Please help get us help us get it around. Uh, like and share the show. Make comments, um, but sh but share it as widely as possible. This is a warning that must be heard. Thanks for tuning in. Can I just one sure. wind up? Just to uh, I would encourage anybody who's uh, uh, li listening to this discussion this morning to support the Independent and Peaceful Australia Network, and in particular the petition that they are endeavouring to uh, present to the Australian government to back away from the uh, move towards warfare against China. We'll put a link to that petition below. John and people can follow the link and, and get involved in that campaign. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks to the viewer.